Um, and so she's right on point with what she's talking about this morning, just the confidence. And, and this is kind of irony here when we talk about shaking. You know, you think, well, heck, you know, hell's supposed to be hot anyway, so what's this going to do to him? Listen, let me tell you what. You've got to use sometimes what he doesn't expect from God and, and the things that are very... Uh, how many saw The Incredibles? It's a, you know, just one of my favorite cartoons. But the, when they destroy whatever that robot was, the only thing powerful enough to kill it was itself. I'm just saying, Christ has already defeated this dude. But what I'm saying is, we're going to take what God has given us and we're going to use it against the enemy. So I want to shake and bake the devil today. How about you? The devil wants to get you rattled. He wants the pressures of, of life just to get to you and just till you finally explode and blow up and and i I mean, we've all been there we've all been where it just the enemy just pushes and pushes and pushes it's the straw that breaks the camel's back it's it's the domino that finally tips the thing it's whatever it is it's like no 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 not one more thing there's a story of a man working offshore in oil rigs in the gulf of mexico and he tested all the pipe and the pipeline that came into the rig the pipes are rated to take a certain amount of pressure underwater and the drillers never took the manufacturer's word for it. This man tested every pipe, every piece that was going to be put together just to make sure that it wouldn't spring a leak under the water. And one day as he was testing pipes, he cranked up the pressure. He put it more than normal, but just wanted to make sure the pipes could withhold that. And suddenly a stream of water shot out of an unseen crack. And the Lord spoke to his spirit and he said this, the pressure didn't create the crack, the pressure revealed it. I'm going to say that one more time. The pressure didn't create it. The pressure revealed it. And so many times when the enemy pushes stuff at you, he just comes at you hard with life. It's not when you finally, in that crack, it's, that's not like, ah, oh, I'm telling you, God is saying, listen, let's turn this around and say, you can work on this. We can fix this area. It's just showing you, here's a point that you need to work on. Here's an area that, that still needs some work. That revelation changed that man's life. You see, pressure doesn't create our weakness. It exposes them. So when you're going through, sometimes we, we look at this, and I'm going to show you what some of these great men of the Bible, their viewpoint, perspective is so much. When we look at it, it's almost unlike what my wife was saying. She was saying, hey, you need to be confident. We don't look at it confidently so many times. We look at it as we are the ant that's underneath the heel or the thumb. We are, you know, we're the ones that have to do whatever the grasshopper says. That's kind of how we look at things. Pressure doesn't create our weakness, it exposes them. But God's strength can flow through you and me, and character is developed through pressure. You learn, like, I don't like how I responded to this. I'm going to change this. This is not me. I don't like this. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he's saying, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now I'm not saying you should go around, I just like it when things don't go right. To me, that, I don't think that's what he's trying to tell you is, I'm going to flip this. I'm going to turn this instead of saying, oh, poor pitiful me, I'm going to get stronger. 
I'm going to get better because of this, because now, instead of breaking me down, you showed me what I need to work on. And because I need to work on it, I'm going to work on it, and I'm going to get stronger. What Paul is saying was that uh, he was strongest when Christ was in him doing what Christ does. When he realized his weakness, he could rely on the strength of God to carry him through and finish the course. Because when he said, like, I can't do the, I can't deal with this anymore. But when we turn that around and say, God, in me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When we understand the strength of who God is, the strength of almighty Jesus. It's one thing to do something leisurely. It's a total different ball game when you have to do it under pressure. We all hate pressure. I mean, you know, sometimes pressure is okay. Sometimes you do good under pressure. When you do good, you're like, that's right. You see that? Then other times you're like, oh, man. Because it's, it's okay to, uh, to do something when it's, there, there's no pressure, but when the pressure is on. Now, I am not a golfer. I do not, I, I like to golf. I'm just not very, you know, I'm not been, I'm not a golfer. Okay. <laughs> And I can go out and I could hit a ball and every once in a while it'll do something right. <laughs> Most of the time it doesn't. But when I was in a scramble before, there was about 40 guys and they're watching. Everybody gets to watch you tee off. Under pressure. Bum, 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 bum. And this is a true story. Totally true. I don't, you know, I've never professed to be a golfer. I line up, you know, there's like 40 people standing over here. I'm looking. I didn't even hit it. The ball, I mean, we're talking three stooges right here. The ball is right on the tee. And I'm looking and the guy's like, uh, yeah, got it. Right. I did it twice, twice. And I mean, they are laughing, chuckling. And then the third time I hit it and the ball went like 25 yards on the ground. I turned around, took my club. (laughs) <laughs> this is not good, but it's, it's all right. Took my club and said, listen, I'll take every one of you in the weight room. You got it? You know, I'm just, and they're all like, hey, dude, it's all right. Pressure is a different game. Our tests and trials can be valuable if we look at them the way God sees them. Perspective is everything. Peter says that trials would be more precious than gold. First Peter 1, 7. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found in praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, running doesn't develop character. Yielding to God and walking it out, that's how character is developed. You need to know that it was problems that propelled famous men and women of faith in the Bible to doing great things in God's kingdom. Goliath made David. Think about it. Esther's trials made her. The pressure of building an ark saved Noah and his whole family. The prophets of Baal helped make Elijah. I mean, the list could go on and on. All of these big things that came up against people, and then God used them. You see, what the enemy means for your harm, God means and can take it and make it for your good. Two things you can do to release pressure. Number one, look to God. When we get close to God, good things will come into your life. First, get to God. Seek him first. Seek first the kingdom. Lean not on your own understanding. Just get God. It's not, well, what I need, Brett, I need more money. No, you need more God. 
Let's get God. God can help you in every issue, whatever you're facing. God, I need more God. Psalm 34.10 says, The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord, turn to your neighbor and say, Seek, shall not lack any good thing, any good thing. That's, that's awesome. You see, when your relationship will be put in position, every need met because of your favor with the Father. There's a message just in that. Your favor with the Father. When you begin to say, God, you're more important than anything. I, I have to have you. And if you seek him, then that favor, that positioning. Job twenty two twenty one says, now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby goodwill come to you. What happens when you get around God? It changes you. He changes you. He doesn't change, but he changes you. Who are you rubbing off on? He rubs off on you. What, who do you rub off on? Your, your children. I'm telling you, if you have kids, statistics still say you are the biggest. If you're a parent or a grandparent, you're the biggest influences in their life. Who's rubbing off on you and who are you rubbing off on? You haven't heard this word in a while, but I'm going to use it today. Rhema. Everybody say that. Rhema. It's a Greek word meaning an explicit word from God spoken directly to you. Can I say this to you this morning? One word from God spoken directly to your heart is worth more than 100 sermons on any subject. It can change any situation. That one word can tell you where the treasure is. That one word can tell you what the answer is. That one word, he could tell you what to do. You can hear anybody preach. Anybody can say words. What is God saying to you? How do you hear a rhema word from God? We talked about seeking him. You know, the more time you spend with him, the easier it is to hear his voice. I've used this illustration for years now, but it, it seems to work pretty well. If you spend a lot of time with someone, you can hear their voice. You can hear, you know, you know their mannerisms, you know all of the things that happen. Children can pick out their mom in a crowded room. They can hear their voice just as a mom can pick out. If you watch, if a kid starts crying, a mom will be like, no, that's not mine. Because they know what that cry is. In the same respect, we could put moms behind a wall and, and we could have them call you know, their, their kid's name and we could have all the moms say this one boy's name. He could still pick out his mom because he spent time with her. He knows her voice. He knows who she is. You can do that too. God, I need you. More than anything else, more than all of the stuff that's surrounding me, I need you. Your situation is talking to you. Pressure's talking to you, and it's talking very loudly. Sometimes it screams at you, doesn't it? Pressure will find a way out. Your job is that you channel whatever that is through God, and it'll be worked out for your good. Romans eight twenty eight says all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good says that they'll work together for your good. Remember this, that God, has, he's got mysteries and he's hid them from you for you. Now that's going to sound like, what? I'm telling you, sometimes you, you're not ready for what he has for you because you're not seeking him. But he has things for you and at the right time he'll show you where they are. Does that make sense to you? 
because he can't put them out there for anybody to get or for the enemy to get. There is treasure that he has hidden for you, ideas and concepts. You got to understand what I'm going to we're, we're, we're trying to get this down. When I'm done after Mother's Day, we're going right into just kingdom living. We're going to start talking about how the kingdom works. But we got to understand this. We have to have God. This isn't a formula. This is about God. I need you seek first the kingdom. I got to go after you. And if he has something, Brett, I need the. I need you to go here. Don't go this way home. I need you to go that way. Have you ever felt that from God? Don't buy that. Buy this. Sometimes Kim has had stuff in her hand. Oh, I'm going to what a deal. I'm going to buy this. And then she feels like no. And she'll put it back. There's reasons for all of that. How important is it for you to hear from God? Seek the provider, not the provision. Seek the healer, not the healing. Seek the face, not the hands. In each case, if you find the one, you have the other. Your pressure could be your stepping stone for promotion. You're going to have to start viewing it different. Instead of just being, oh, I'm just going to try to hold on. I'm just going to hold on. We need to look at that and say, you know what? Kind of like my wife, I'm confidently saying, oh, you know, sometimes I've been woke up and just like I felt like the enemy just wanted to torment you. Anybody? Why don't you make him sorry he woke you up? I mean, just like, oh, oh, well, let's just, okay, let me just get up. Let me just get up and let me just start praying. Let me just start pacing. Let me just start giving God some shouts. Let me, and he'll be like, uh, why don't you just go back to bed? And you know what? I probably shouldn't have got you up. Let him pay for those kind of things. Start saying, you know what, God, greater are you that's in me. Peter, Peter cracked under pressure but led 3,000 people to the Lord because he was able to, to capitalize on God. God, and I want to say that in a better way. He's able to just say, God, I yield to you, and you, you come in me, you make me somebody for you. Here's our second point. Heat brings results. Heat and pressure have a way of changing things. Iron takes out wrinkles with heat. You put something in the oven, that hot oven will change the formation of cookies, will kind of spread out and bake, and the consistency will change. Our attitudes change depending on the pressure we're under. Sometimes we respond this way because this is what's happening. So-and-so responded this way, so we replied this way. This is why I'm agitated, and so now I'm going to be this way. And I get that. We've all had those kind of things. Second Chronicles seven fourteen and 15 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, heal their land, Now listen to this next part. I love this next part. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. I don't know why. That never showed up to me before. I've read it, but it just jumped out at me. I'm preparing this this week and I'm just... You know, if we would understand, God, I got to have you. I got to have you more than anything else. If I can get this concept, if I can understand that you are my everything, he says... If I'll repent and I'll humble myself, I'll pray, I'll seek his face. He says his ears and eyes are going to go, go ahead, come on, tell me more. I mean, all of a sudden I'm going, oh, you mean, he's listening, you have my full attention. What do you need? We live in a world full of things to worry about. Things that keep us up at night and the list could go on. We can find things to worry about. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9 Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. 
for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You see, the enemy will use anything he can to his advantage. If he can derail you, if he can make you look at the circumstances, if he can make you see all of the things that are going wrong. And again, I want you to understand how God has ordered this. She has no She has not read my notes. She does not know anything about what I was going to preach. She knows a lot, but not about what I was going to preach. <laughs> Just correcting that real quick. Check this out. This is a study found out that over 90%, almost 95 or so percent of what people worry about never happens. 30% or more, they worry over past issues that have happened and they cannot change. They can't go back. They can't be changed. 22% were over petty, needless things that had no bearing or meaning to change or help in any given situation. 8% or less were legitimate concerns. <laughs> Think about that. If the enemy's job is just in, okay, great, I'm just going to get you to worry. I'm going to get you to worry about stuff that's not even real. I'm going to get you about worry stuff you can't change. I'm just going to get you to worry. I'm going to get you off the path of being who you're supposed to be for Christ Jesus. He's having a heyday at our expense, and he's loving every minute of it. Every minute of it. Every minute of it. <laughs> Here's a twist. If we are looking at it from the enemy's point of view, what are the beneficial characteristics of worry? I mean, just let's just... You know, we can look at, um, and I'll let you, I won't read it right now, Matthew 6, 24 through 34. There's 10 verses there that are going to tell you, don't worry about what you're eating, what you wear, what you're, you know, what you're going to, the day brings enough worry on its own. If God's going to clothe this and he's going to, you know, feed the birds and do the valley, all that, why are you worried? I mean, it basically is just Jesus talking, which is awesome, going through saying, listen, you're worrying about stuff that has already been taken care of. I'm going to say that one more time. We worry about stuff that's already been taken care of. Here's some things worry promotes. It, it directly opposes God. It demotes human worth. Nothing to gain when you worry. And then you become self-reliant, not God-reliant. You begin to think of ways that you must, something you can do, and God is no longer your source. Worry is like a rocking chair. Keeps you busy, but you don't go anywhere. The women on Easter morning were worried about the stone. How are they going to roll the stone away? Guess what? It's already done. Already moved. I mean, we just go through lists of things. Of, we'll worry about this. We'll worry about that. And it's really not going to amount to anything. It's already been taken care of. Here's some more benefits of worry. Get you off course with God's plan for your life. It's not healthy. It creates a lack of trust in God. It breeds doubt, stops your prayers from being answered. That's called unbelief. If you worry about it, you're not in belief. You're not, how many know what I'm saying? Chokes the word from your life, robs you of joy, peace, happiness um, from God's blessing. And the opposite of worry would be peace. So how do we fight back and win? James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So I want you to give your neighbor a high five and say, let's do this. Five ways to shake and bake the devil. It's not going to take very long. There you go. Woo. Here we go. Number one, know who's in charge. Know who's in charge. People say this to me all the time. I'm just waiting on God. 
The truth is God is waiting on you because God has given you his authority. You are in charge. And I'm going to say it one more time, and I say it with, with great humility, but you are in charge under God. Are you with me? Because we are sitting here, oh, I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to do this, this, and this. I'm telling you, God is waiting on you. He has already given you authority. He's already told you, take care of this. Don't do that. Do this. Who is in charge in your house? So begin to say, God, I'm, I'm going to be in charge for you. Here's number two. If you want to overcome worry, by using the word of God. The word, the word, the word. Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm telling you what, you're saying, Brett, you don't even know what tests I'm going to have. I'm telling you, if you would just begin to use the word, your test will turn into a testimony. Many of us just have the monies. Oh, God. But if we would begin to look at a different point of view and say, you know what? This is not going to take me out. I'm going to get stronger from this. God, you're going to show me where to stand. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to square my shoulders back. I don't have to have a wishbone. I got a backbone. I'm going to be able to do the things you've called me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to dream again. A person explaining why they're happy today. This is what they said. Today, I'm pushing my thoughts around. Yesterday, I let them push me around. Abraham Lincoln said this, I've been about as happy as I've made my mind to be. <laughs> Those pretty much say itself. We decide what we think about. Number three, you got to guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23 is going to tell you that out of it flow the issues of life. But you need to guard your heart. You decide who adds and takes away as far as your godly relationships. You decide who, who's rubbing off on you, who you're hanging out with, what you're spending time watching or doing. You decide that because that is guarding your heart. Who are you linked up with? Mom and Dad, it does, ma it does matter who your kids hang out with. Kids, it does matter who your parents hang out with. When I was growing up, some of my dad's friends before he were saved weren't anybody I'd write home about. I, just not good. And then when my dad got changed by Christ, everything changed. Everything changed. I mean, the people he, hang out, he hung out with, the things he did, everything changed. Here's number four. Live one day at a time. You've got to trust God every day. Not just on Sundays. If you only eat once a week and I'm the only guy that feeds you, you, you have a poor diet. You need to eat throughout the week. You need to start saying, God, I need your word all the time. Not just in times of crisis. We have a lot of people, or you may know of a lot of people, they don't care about God until something goes wrong. Then they want all kinds of prayer, all kinds of funds, all kinds of time. But when, when everything is right, they could care less. What's tough for you is because you want to go, oh, no, I'm not going to help you. You still got to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? <laughs> How can I be your hands and feet? The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. You see, my, what I got yesterday, I need something else today because I leak. I need, you know, just like, um, how many like fasting? Nobody. I don't know of anybody. Oh, I love to fast. I just do, yeah. 
I had a guy when we were fasting for the church. I said, what, do you, what are you fasting? He goes, I'm fasting, fasting. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> a little boy in Royal Rangers. I, I asked him, he had to take notes on a sermon. I said, okay, what did the preacher talk about? He said, sin. I said, okay, what would he say? He goes, he's against it. Well, I get it. I understand all of that kind of stuff. I, I understand. But we need a fresh word. We need God. I just need, a, I need to spend time with you every day. I need that time with you. I need time with Kim. You know, if I don't have any time with Kim, then that doesn't, that doesn't help a relationship. How many know you've got to spend time with those that are closest to you? You've got to do that. Your children need to see you more than they see the babysitter. You've got to have that time. You have to have that connection. You've got to make sure that that connection is there. And here's number five this morning. Do kingdom business. The busier you are doing what God wants you to do during times of trial, the less you think about getting off course. Does that make sense? Because if you're going to sit there, I guarantee you, as my wife would say this morning, I guarantee. I don't know. I didn't say that right, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, you, the, the uh, was that idle hands or the devil's playground or something that's that saying i mean if you're just going to sit there and think about all the things that could go wrong you are just opening yourself up for a terrible day or week or month or season but if you would just say you know what god show me what you want me to do you know what if you're saying you know what i'm struggling i'm struggling man we need more food we need more food well what do you have maybe god would have you sow some food say what I'm saying, you might say, well, that sound doesn't even make sense. I don't have all the answers to how everything works. I don't. I'm still learning like you. But I know when I started ministering, I didn't have any. Now, these clothes aren't great. I mean, this jacket and all that. One of these days, I'm going to have me several suits that I like. Um, And I don't say that bad. I'm just saying, well, I will. (laughs) But... When I started hearing God tell me to go into ministry, I had no ministry clothes or to wear at all. I wore corduroy, my wife can tell you, jeans or corduroy jeans, cowboy boots, and button-up shirt, or a sweatshirt, or hoodie, something like that, or something, you know, workout-wise that I would work out in, tank top or something like that. I mean, my clothes selection, I would not have been in GQ for sure. And I remember being in a service, and I'm like, God, if you want me to do this, I don't even have clothes to wear. I mean, I have clothes, but you know what I'm saying. I don't have the clothes. I I feel comfortable to be up in front. I don't have anything. And I felt like the Lord told us to sew for it. And again, I'm just trying to show you. I'm just giving you a glimpse of how kingdom works. It doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense, but can I tell you, if I put an apple seed in the ground, what do I get? Apples. So we sewed for clothes, didn't say anything to anybody else. Within two weeks, somebody came up and said, I don't know, I hope, this, I hope I'm hearing the Lord. Here's a check for $500 for clothes for you and Miss Kim. Brett, how does that happen? I'm telling you, you've got to get busy about your father's business. You've got to start saying, I've got to be kingdom-minded now. This has never been about me. This isn't about me, me, me. Oh, oh, Lord, I need you to meet this. This is about God. What can I do for you? And in the process of me doing things for you, you, 
According to what we, we would have read here in Matthew that I was telling you, you read those. He's saying, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about what you're going to wear. You don't have to worry about that. I got that. Because what happens is the people that don't know Jesus, they're wanting those same things. And God says, but if you know me, I'll take care of that. And I'll give you the things that they want. That's what it says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You see, what we found out this is when we cherish the most important things in life, we find out the most important things in life aren't things. I challenge you this morning. I know that there, I'm not just talking to myself, but I know the enemy has just been fighting. He's just been pounding. He's just, you know, you've got air attacks. You've got ground attacks. There seems to be landmines everywhere you go. But if you want to shake and bake him, then you're going to have to start saying, all right, perspective. You want to mess with this? Okay, let's do this thing. Then you're going to show me where I need work, and I'm going to work. You should have never woke me up. You should have never made me mad. You better get out of my face. I mean, when you start having confidence, you can click your finger, work your neck, because you got Almighty God backing you up. Because you got God inside you saying, all right, let's do this thing. I don't, I'm telling you, I'm tired of being whipped, are you? I'm tired of being torn and blown out and, and laid out just to be trampled on. It's time that we said, God, I want to be everything you've called me to be. I want my kids to look at me and say, how did you do that, Dad? Come on, get my hand out. I'll show you how I did that. And we'll stand up together. And then we've got agreement. We've got power. We've got anointing. And I'm telling you, you got the enemy on the run. There's so much power in you. There's so much anointing in you. You don't have to take this crap the devil's fed you. You don't have to lay down and just say, this is my lot in life. You want to shake and bake him? Then start doing these things. You start saying, okay, I'm going to let some pressure out. God, I'm going to use my self-control. Show me where I need some work. And then I'm going to work on that. We are all works in progress. Everybody, me, everybody. I know Kim and I have just said, you know what? I can't get, like yesterday. I can't get yesterday back. Yesterday was a good day for you, awesome. If it was a bad day for you, can't have it back. So just be happy tomorrow's, you know, today's a new day. But if you, I want to live. I want to live and I want to enjoy my life. I want to be in a I want to be in a restaurant and I can see somebody and I can hear the Lord say you need to go pray for them and watch God heal them right in the restaurant. That's what I want. I've done that before, but I want more of that. I want to see that happen. I want to see that instead of saying, "Well, boy, I wish I wish the pastor was here cuz boy, he could probably pray for them. I'll invite them to church." Why don't you invite them to church? Why don't you say, "Hey, can I just pray for you right now?" What if they're like, oh, boy, something is with this person. Man, did you feel that? Can I tell you, when Jesus prayed for people, not everybody was like uh, on the same page? You can't tell me the demonized man of the Gadarenes was saved. But boy, I tell you what, once Jesus got in there, he's like, I'm going to follow you. Listen, life is going to, Come and go whether you want it to or not. Let's live it on purpose. Let's do it in such a way that we make the enemy like, oh, we, we, I better not mess with those TLC people. 
Those people are getting their stuff together. Would you bow your heads, please? Close your eyes.